0: WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you
1: hey good morning this is doug field the ceo of the institute for health consumerism uh joined in the studio with my co-host and managing director brent macy good morning brent good morning doug how are you doing i'm doing fantastic and welcome to our audience out there uh, good to have you all on with us today brent we've got a pretty good program today, yeah
2: huh? we are jam-packed today on uh, this program and got a our first guest, a very special guest uh, to, to us here at the IHC, and, um, you know, it's going to be Charles Robbins, who's the Director of Sales for Datapath. He's going to be joining us here in a few minutes to really talk about the John Robbins Senior Memorial uh, Healthcare Consumerism Leadership Award and what that really is and what's the essence behind that that award. Uh, Charles is, is that's uh, John Robbins Senior, that is, um, you know, he was the CEO of Datapath, and Charles is his son who heads up. Uh, the Director of Sales there at Datapass. So Charles is going to be joining us here shortly to um, to talk about that. And then joining us on the next segment will be uh, Sean Gallivan. Sean's the Chief Operating Officer for Healthintic, and he's really going to talk about um, you know Intic and, and some of the analysis that they're doing um, there with their company. So we're going to welcome Sean on the program on the next segment there. And then following Sean is going to be Dr. Jaime Estupinon, he's the the partner of Strategy And, and that's formerly a uh, boozing company. And what Jaime is going to be talking about is the birth of healthcare consumer and the growing demands for choice, engagement, and experience. So he'll be joining us on the segment, and then finally... It will be Robin uh, Gilbert. She's the president of Fair Health, and her topic is going to be why transparency is no longer enough. And, Doug, you and I have have heard that. We heard that out at IHC Forum West that Mm -hmm. transparency, um, you know, needs to be a little bit deeper, and they're moving deeper into outside of just the transparency and cost. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of advance forward. as you had mentioned for, uh, earlier, we have a very special guest on the program today. Joining us uh, from DataPath is Charles Robbins, Director of Sales. Hey, Charles.
3: Hey, guys. How you doing?
1: We're doing fantastic, and good to have you in the program today. You know, we've got yeah, Charles on the program. Yeah, yeah. Good to have you. We've got Charles on the program today because we're going to talk a little bit about his dad, uh, John J. Robbins Sr., uh, who was a very dear friend of mine and one of the leaders in the consumer-driven healthcare space, and who we really named uh, our Leading award of superstars after John J. Robbins Senior Memorial Leadership Award to carry on his legacy and his name forward because John, and that award represents and Chet Burrell, the CEO of CareFirst, is our award winner this year. And I'll talk just a little bit about Chet in a minute. But that award uh, is to symbolize the total person—the person who really is leading this industry, leading their leading their company, but also leading their community and their family, and representing. Good ethical character, and that was John uh, John Robbins Sr. And uh, so, really pleased to have Charles on the program today. Uh, Charles, tell us a little bit about um, what you guys are doing. Uh, you know, carrying on your day, dad's uh, legacy there.
3: Yeah, yes, sir, and I, I appreciate that uh, introduction, um, and I'm honored, uh, and our family um, is honored to um, for you to have that that award. Established in his name, and that means a whole lot to us, and uh, we thank you for that.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. DataPath is
3: a uh, technology platform. Uh, We focus on consumer-driven health uh, plans such as FSA, HRA, HSA, commuter, uh, Cobra, with and premium billing type solutions. So uh, we we typically work with companies like. uh, third-party administrators, financial institutions, um, health plans, brokers, uh, and of course they're all working with their employer groups Oops. and the end consumer. So we try to develop, we, we have developed a, a platform that, uh, is consumer centric and, uh, is, is ho- hopefully closing the gap on the education between, uh, what we know as an industry leaders and what the consumer understands as far as healthcare
1: is concerned you guys are carrying on the uh legacy of your dad and the the as a, as a leading innovator because you guys are really doing some innovative things there at data path and yes, also uh, building upon some really good relationships that your dad had established across the market space right
3: that's right yes sir um we we're seeing uh, a lot of opportunity we've Gone a couple different directions. Uh, the, the legacy, as you as you uh, put it, uh, has lived on. Uh, we, I, I'm one of six, and yeah. uh, my brother John Robbins Jr. is uh, the president and CEO of the company, uh, and, and took over after my dad passed a few years ago. And uh, our company has really uh, blossomed and developed since then. Um, and uh, we've we've crossed over into uh, other industries and. The uh, delivery of of healthcare is uh, a primary focus, and making uh, the delivery of health care more efficient and easier to understand for the consumer. So, as an example, we've uh, we work we've crossed over into the workers' comp um, industry and offer a provider payment solution. So it's like a virtual payment solution for providers, and uh, also to reimburse workers' comp claimants for. Uh, indemnity claims, or their indemnity payments, and uh, for their medical expenses, uh, also just virtual payments uh, in general is something that we're we're working on, and we we rewrote our platform as well for the consumer-driven healthcare space, uh, so uh, to make it so it's on the latest and greatest technology, and, and makes um, the, the delivery and, and understanding of those plans. Uh, We've, we've built in decision support um, assistance for the consumer, for the administrator, uh, for the broker uh, to, to make that whole process much more streamlined and, and easier to uh, understand and, and uh, ultimately reduce the cost of administration and uh, put more responsibility and accountability in, in the consumer's hands. Um, so we're big believers in, in consumer-driven health. and. Um, you know, I think that's why our organizations, data path and IHC, mm-hmm. really uh, are on the same page as far as how we uh, view the market and, and the direction that it's going.
2: Yeah, Charles, this is Brent, um, and appreciate you joining us on the program. I Thank I you. remember, a, you know, a conference call that I had with your father. This was back in probably 2006, 2007, when we were first starting to get off the ground. And, you know, just from that conversation, I could see... He had the vision. He had the vision for consumerism and where he was going to take the business. And I think he was one of those that was seeing the vision before really anybody else and talking consumerism. then um, I also, you know, and I'd like, you know, I saw that, you know, from that conference call. But then I also remember conference calls where your father would go out and he would be, you know, having lunch somewhere, and next thing you know, somebody'd be hired working for DataPath, <laughs> and was a great judge of character of, of who were the people in uh, in your community, and, and brought people on and and hired them.
3: You're right. Yeah, he um, he uh, he. Well, I'm I'm completely blessed um, to have him as a father, and um, he is he's truly unique, in, in how he connected with people, and just understanding. Uh, people was his forte really and uh, he was a visionary um, he he was uh, I didn't realize this until after he passed that uh, really he was a, a, a forefather of of the healthcare care mm-hmm. uh, delivery uh, system and changing it and and trying to find ways to really make a difference in this space it wasn't about uh roi for him it was all about connections and how to make a difference in this space and um and then uh bringing bringing on people and, and connecting with people uh in the industry and as you as you mentioned uh maybe uh at a restaurant where he he found that uh that that person had something special uh, he could tell um just right off the bat uh and uh, went off from a job and uh Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't work out. But um, he uh, he he had a a special knack for uh, just really seeing um, the the true person uh, for for who they were uh, just right off the bat. So uh, he was he was certainly uh, special in that way, and he knew how to connect with people in a way that um, I I just can't describe. I I still get emails and and phone (laughs) calls from uh, people, uh, randomly from 15 years ago where the individual said, Hey, I had lunch with your father. I just wanted to let you know that he made a, a, a big impact on my life. <laughs> um, and this was just one lunch that they had. So, um, he had a way to, uh, to make an impact, um, which is, which is unique and, uh, very special. And I, again, I'm, I'm truly blessed to be his son and, and really, um, to, to witness that. Um, and, it, and it helps me and, and my family in and, and our pursuit uh, to, to continue to deliver or change the delivery of healthcare care and, and really make a difference in uh, consumerism and um, helping people understand health care, uh, which is, is very obviously very confusing uh, to a, a typical c- consumer.
1: Yeah, you know, Charles. It's uh, <clears throat> you know, your dad um, not only was at the forefront of and one of the premier thought leaders in this business, but he had another uh, just solid quality that I think many of us need to embrace going forward. And that, I mean, it was all about his word. I mean, he was a man of his word, and uh, right. and and a simple handshake would form a relationship that would move forward and uh you know i've told you this and I'd, I'd like my audience to hear it too because you know the award is is given in his name for a lot of different reasons that we've just talked about and but the final one and he, he was my friend and he bailed our business out twice because we were way at the leading edge with the institute for Healthcare consumerism and twice you know, bringing this business through a tough recession and a tough healthcare care law debate and stall, as, as we've talked about, you know, I was in a corner and twice your father, he just simply on a handshake between all of us, uh, you know, formed a relationship and a partnership where it worked for him, but he bailed us out and allowed this business to stand where it is now as, as leader in the space. And I owe him uh, a big, big part of that credit and uh, uh, was just so, so, you know, thankful for the friendship uh, more than anything
3: yeah and you know it and i im i'm i'm, I'm honored for you to say that a- again and I can't say that enough but um you know what how you guys work together um and where you you are now in the in i h c as an organization i I really see you guys as the most innovative uh organization um in this space, the, the conferences I attend every year—it's—it's it's just a think tank for healthcare consumerism. There's uh, the leading edge providers and a lot of very smart people in the room, and uh, all working towards a common goal, and that is to uh, improve that delivery of healthcare, contain cost, and to um, and, and to to help out. Um, the healthcare industry in, in general, healthcare reform, not health insurance reform. Yep. Um, so I uh, I can't say enough how I, I think that uh, everything has come full circle that you guys have done wonderful things in this space and continue to do so. Um, and uh, you know, again, I I know that you have your uh, ex- private exchange health uh, reform um, forum coming out yep. in yep. March. Yep. Uh, I look forward to being there for that because that is, um, there's a lot of confusion around ex- exchanges and um, there's a lot of different flavors of exchanges, and, and I think that uh, that's a really good forum for, uh, for people to, to come together and, and really better understand it and, and what will ultimately shake out in the exchange world. Yeah. And um, so that, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm, I'm glad you guys have um, uh, established that forum.
1: Thanks, Charles. You know, we're, uh, we're kind of at the end of our segment, and this has been uh, very enjoyable to have you on, and I really uh, uh, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, please say hello to John Robbins, Jr. out there and the rest of the family. Uh, you guys I'll have do. a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we will see you very soon.
3: Likewise, and, and thank you very much for having me on, and uh, we'll see you too soon.
1: Okay,
2: Thank uh, thanks so much, Charles, and have uh, fun moving uh, moving your stuff this weekend.
3: <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah, this recent move has been, uh, uh, been <laughs> quite, a, quite an adventure. So All right. Well, appreciate ha- it, Brent. You bet. Have Talk a great weekend.
2: All right, sounds great. Uh, have a great weekend. To the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumers and Radio. Hi, this is Brent Macy, Managing Director for the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. If you're a solution provider in this marketplace, I'd like to talk to you more about our corporate membership program that will allow you to showcase your solutions in front of our audience who will be making decisions on what they're going to be putting in place surrounding their healthcare benefit packages in 2013 and beyond. Contact me at 770-296-7276
4: to learn more. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
5: Certification. Do you know why becoming a certified healthcare consumerism specialist is more important than ever in 2014? Adding this specialized designation to your credentials tells employers or your clients that you understand how much our industry has changed and how to navigate that change successfully. IHC University's certification program offers coursework both online and live at their biannual forum conference series, and testing is completed online. Reaffirm your position as a leader in the health and benefit management industry, download our certification overview, and learn more at www.the.org. IHcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com This is America's AmericasWebRadio.com The best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Hey, this is Doug Field along with my co-host Brent Macy and welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumers and Radio where we're really going to get into some uh, good data analytics discussions and the importance of good healthcare analysis and joining us to lead that discussion is Sean Gallivan, Chief Operating Officer with HealthEntic. Sean, good morning.
6: Good morning, Doug. Hey,
1: yeah, you coming to us from Seattle today?
6: I'm actually in Denver today.
1: Oh, you are? Okay, Okay. <laughs> you, you got any snow there?
6: Uh, it's going away slowly.
1: Yeah, it uh. is. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'd hate to be in Buffalo. It's a good thing you're not in Buffalo. But, hey, Sean, nice to have you on today. And uh, give our audience a little background on HealthEntic, and then we'll get into some other discussions about this whole healthcare, care uh, analyst finds, etc.
6: Excellent. So HealthEntic's mission is to make population health measurement very easy. We crunch numbers so the employers don't have to.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we
6: help employers make the right diagnosis for their population health, and also help them see that the interventions that they have chosen are working.
1: Mm-hmm. How old's the company? Five years old. Five years old. What was the what was the genesis of uh, the beginning of the company?
6: It was a Thomson Reuters Splinter Group.
1: Oh, uh, we you were. Had, uh, okay. I didn't realize that. Okay.
6: Yeah, we all came from Thompson Reuters. We worked on their hospital quality product. Okay. And we came over to look at population health.
2: Yeah, great. Now, Sean, when you um, you know, when you look at the importance of of why businesses need to measure population health, is there is there a list of, you know, the top 5 or is it, you know, you know, a list of three things why they need to really measure um, population health across their employee employee population?
6: Well, I, you know, if you're a health or benefit manager, the goal is to have a continuously improving health system, mm-hmm. and better use of data is critical to that. So three things, I think, are, are big. Uh, most employers don't even measure health outcomes right now. They settle for, for participation rates and things. Um, health-related costs are substantial, and they vary much more than I would have expected from employer to employer. So everyone has different issues. And population health uh, management is critical for evaluating the effectiveness of the programs that people have uh, undertaken.
2: Now, when they—if I'm an employer, um, let's—and and my question: Do you do as work with health plans as well, or purely to the employers? Is there di- multiple different channels there for you?
6: The employers and consultants okay. are are two channels. Um, okay. We get the data from the. the uh, Carriers,
2: From right. the carriers. Okay, so what are, when you're looking at um, the um, the employers, what are some of the biggest mistakes they make when measuring you know population health management in, inside their organization?
6: Oh yeah. Well, so many employers are shooting in the dark. Uh, they don't know the details of their population. That's the biggest problem. And what that really causes are a few things. They they launch programs on what they think is the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually diabetes, metabolic syndrome but they don't really know. Many employers uh, also measure their program success by participation rather than looking at its impact on the overall health system. Um, And finally, I see a lot of employers chasing last year's costs. And without data, they, they have a hard time getting in front of what's about to hit them.
2: Yeah, when you, and you mentioned that that big word data, um, <laughs> a lot of these employers and advisors they get all this data, but but it's a lot of data. Oh, and how can it. they? How do How would you recommend that they effectively analyze that data that they receive? That's
6: a that's a big question. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, well, I think if you look at it by answering three questions, it it simplifies it a little bit. First of all, you need to understand what's driving poor health. What call it the patterns of health determinants. Uh, what factors are are contributing? Then the second question is is what should you do about it? What policies and interventions will optimize your health plan? And then finally, did the interventions have the impact you wanted? Did the health outcomes improve? And um, you know, what does that mean for the next round, this continuously improving health
1: system? Talk a little bit, Sean, about some of the most interesting findings recently that some of your analysis point. I know you allude to the flu. I mean, talk a little bit more about some of these recent findings and the data that you've been able to report back to some of your employers.
6: Yeah, so uh, Hawaii National Bank uh, had an interesting story. Um, They had the tool up, and they they didn't realize how bad diabetes and cardiovascular Mm -hmm. disease had become in their organization. Mm -hmm. So they reached out to a local hospital system, and they asked their hospital system to engage with their at-risk employees. So the hospital system came on the ground, did this great intervention, and it was successful enough that the um, hospital system was using it for a pilot for other employers uh, in the area. Uh, And uh, another good one, Um, I think many of us are familiar with Lincoln Industries. They've really set the gold standard for investing in wellness over the last couple of decades. Upon seeing our tool, they have uh, taken a look at our health migration model, Hmm. and they want to standardize all of their uh, health goals uh, based on keeping healthy people healthy, uh, moving preventable people to, to the healthy category and uh, keeping chronics in, in uh, monitor, or managing their conditions very well. And that was a real feather in our hat that Lincoln has, is working on adopting that goal.
2: Now, Sean, when you, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we're hearing about in the news around, you know, some other disease states out there, whether it's Ebola, I don't know if you'd call it a disease state, but Ebola and some other um, diseases out there, you know, is the flu? When you look at the flu, is it more costly um, in dollars and lo- lost productivity than some of these other uh, diseases that we that we hear out across the country?
6: Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's a fascinating case. Actually, I, there's six point two billion dollars per sick days because hmm. of the flu every year. Uh, wow! And so there's, there's a huge cost. It's, Twenty percent of your employees are likely to get hit with the flu any given year, and um, only about ten to fourteen percent are being vaccinated. So, which is really interesting.
1: Yeah, um, it, re- it really is. So, so it sh- is.
6: It may the reason that's significant is it may be one of the easiest ways to realize a pretty high return on an investment. Most flu shots are covered. And if you can just engage the employees to go get them, uh, you can rescue a lot of productivity time.
2: When you're, um, so when you're looking at some of these employers who, who are looking to kind of combat this cost, is there any recommendations you would have for you know, increasing the number of people who need to get vaccinated um, for the flu or any other type of uh, sickness or illness?
6: Absolutely. Within any organization, there's probably three groups. There's a group who, who is interested in getting the flu shot. There's a group who doesn't much care and a group who's not interested. And so if you make it very easy to get a flu shot, whether it's on site or coupon or a drive, then the people who want to will get it. And the people who may not be interested, you can probably get some of them. Um, and the communication will help the people who don't want one um, mm-hmm. potentially understand the impact, because you know the flu is not fun for anyone. And uh, if they're hourly, they could, you know, the productivity they lose could be their
1: own. Hey, hey Sean, you know, for our audience that's listening right now, what's your business model? What's uh, you know, if, if I'm an employer and uh, want get, to get connected with you, I mean, what, what's the business model? Uh,
6: great question. So. Uh, our business model is we, uh, we aggregate. We, we sell directly to employers mm-hmm. and employers, agents, brokers, and consultants. Uh, when we engage, um, we uh, take all of the healthcare data we can get our hands on, and we match it by person in our warehouse. So We know the full spectrum for every single person. and We do it in a de-identified manner, so there's mm-hmm. not a PHI concern. Uh, we charge per employee per month. And the data is updated quarterly, and with each quarter, we consult and give insights around the the best things they could do for their populations and reporting on how their programs are positively or negatively impacting their group.
1: Do you work through um, other distribution networks that you alluded to consultants? So you partner with consultants that, uh, you know, take your service into their employer clients?
6: But we have a few partners uh-huh. too.
2: Yep. Now, with the um, Sean, with the broker consultant community, is you know, is this a tool that you're seeing them pick up and take into more employers? Say, you know, from the time you launched till now, is it has it been an education process with the uh, consultant and broker community about your product? It
6: it, it has, and it's been a, a huge differentiation the brokers mm-hmm. uh, largely the brokers use it in two ways some of them actually give the login to their their customers the employers and help them manage it directly and then there's another set that they log in and then they export the data and the findings and present it uh, on their own which is a you know huge benefit to the, the brokers
2: now when um, So the employer size for, for this type of solution, I assume it's, it's the larger employers um, that have more employee lives. Is that correct?
6: Yeah, the, the data analysis falls apart when there's too few lives. Okay. Um, we have been successful with the larger end of the, uh, of the uh, fully insured market. Um, but it's generally about a 1,000 lives uh, self-funded and up is what we're looking at.
2: Okay. Um, well, we've got about a, a minute left on the program, and, and if you could, kind of leave, leave our audience with two or three good takeaways on, on why they should consider um, you know, looking at your product.
6: Oh, excellent. Thank you. Um, I, again, stop shooting in the dark. You will be far more efficient and have a better return if you know exactly what's going on and launch programs that are much more surgical in nature and then to be able to measure and iterate those programs as they're going on is truly important to creating the system of health that we all need in this country.
2: And uh, how can they find you guys, Sean? Uh,
6: go to uh health, E-N-T-I-C, like authentic, healthentic.com.
2: Hey, Sean, we really appreciate you uh, joining us on the program today. Have a great weekend uh, out there in Denver. And uh, to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio.
5: Membership. Are you an IHC member? Access to the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's breaking news industry trends, expert blogs, and networking with IHC's industry-wide member community. IHC membership puts you at the focal point of the dynamic health and benefit industry, allowing you to join the conversation and collaborate with industry stakeholders and your peers. Your IHC membership includes a subscription to Healthcare Consumerism Solutions Magazine, Healthcare Exchange Solutions Magazine, Annual Publications Healthcare Solutions Superstars, and Healthcare Solutions Outlook a free white paper, and much more. Sign up as a free IHC member or $99 premium IHC member today at www.theihcc.com. That's www.theihcc.com.
4: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
7: Solution providers, are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our Solution Provider Membership Marketing Program. Through IHC's exclusive Solution Provider Membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director Brent Macy today at bmacy at the ihcc.com.
0: This is America's Webradio.com. The best in chat radio, designed just for you.
2: Hey, everybody! Welcome back to Healthcare Consumerism Radio. This is Brent Macy, Managing Director of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, along with CEO and founder of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism, Doug Field. And um, get jumping into our next segment here. We have uh, Dr. Jaime Estepinion. He's the uh, he's with Strategy and. And uh, Jaime, are you on the line with us? Uh, yes. Hi. Good morning. Good, good morning, morning, Doctor. Um, kind of give us and welcome to the program. Kind of give us a uh, quick background on Strategy and, and we'll get a little more into, you know, some of the key findings of of a survey you guys recently did.
8: Yeah, absolutely. So we we're Strategy and, uh, formerly uh, known as Booze and Company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're part of the PwC network of firms, and we are essentially a general management consultancy uh focused on uh, strategy from a variety of um of areas uh in particular we we do a lot of work in the healthcare space mm-hmm. and uh, over the last uh you know two decades and uh over the last few years have spent a lot of time thinking about uh, consumerism in healthcare and um as part of the you know PwC network of firms we you know bring a lot of offers work with a lot of health services clients um, know, hospital systems, health insurers, also with pharmaceuticals, medical device companies, and uh, bringing a whole range of offers. Um, in particular, uh, we we have done a lot of work on consumer center capabilities, and in fact uh, have been ranked uh, very recently as, you know, the, the firm out there with the deepest capabilities in terms of helping health services clients um, create um uh, Experiences and uh, impact uh, consumer um, fields. So,
1: yeah, congratulations, Jaime. This is Doug Field. Welcome. Uh, good to have you here. Um, talk a little bit about. I mean, you've you've recently completed an extensive survey of over 2,300 uh, U.S. you know consumers. Uh, talk to us about some of those key findings.
8: Yeah, absolutely. So we we we've done this research, and um, again, it's always trying to stay abreast of what know, how people are thinking and how they're picking up um, their engagement with the healthcare care system, and in particular this year, we wanted to, um, you know, make sure we, we captured how people are, are experiencing things like, you know, the health insurance exchanges, mm-hmm. uh, but obviously the, the public exchanges out there, but also some of the increasingly common uh, private exchanges where uh, some employers are allowing mm-hmm. folks to, to buy insurance. So so we, we've we done this research, I think some some key findings, right? Right. Um, for the most part, uh, consumers out there uh, they, they don't feel very satisfied with the experience they have um, as they engage with the healthcare care system, um, as they think about their right. coverage and, and and their treatment. Um, when we talk about specific elements of their experience, there there's you know pockets of satisfaction. So another interesting finding is that in fact uh, folks uh, who have been signing up through the exchanges for the most part are satisfied. They feel some. Empowerment—they—they're mm-hmm. happy with what they're getting in terms of being able to to get uh, insurance. Um, we're finding folks. Uh, another big finding has been that um, you know we, we, we test to what extent people would uh, trust non-traditional healthcare companies mm-hmm. with some of the things that they get from healthcare companies like insurance or mm-hmm. care. So we ask them, for example, um, how how willing would you be to uh, let, you know, a large technology company like a Google or an Amazon or a large retailer like Walmart or Target. Um, and interestingly enough, folks, um, for the most part, are, are very, they, they will go with those companies. They have absolutely no, uh, very little preference uh, for their traditional um, healthcare providers. So that's that's another, you know, interesting aspect of, of, of this and especially with a lot of these uh other companies trying to to enter the marketplace. There's there's a willing and accepting consumer out there that, for the most part, has not met their uh, has not had their needs met, and therefore are are willing to to try new players.
1: Is is it also Jaime? Because those are brands, consumer brands that they're comfortable with and they're familiar with. Versus, a lot of individuals aren't. Comfortable to your point about the health plan provider. You know, it's been a relationship that really hasn't been that consumer friendly, whereas a Walmart or, a, you know, or an Amazon or a Microsoft or a Google has been more embracing to the consumer.
8: Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, there's definitely that, um, the, the, there's a, a narrower relationship with some of these brands and uh, associations are different. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a variety of factors, I think, as, as we even ask specifically what aspects of what they get out of um, the healthcare system today, like you know, their benefits, their ability to you know, be guided to, to care, the, the actual care, all of that, um, it's independent of any of that. So folks, yes, they, they, they do have a, um, you know, a willingness to try these new players, and to your point, they do uh, in many cases have a, a much um, you know, favorable um, association with some of the brands that, that, that are out there.
1: I mean I mean what's the uh, awareness f- from your findings or did you find around the emerging transparency solutions and we know we're all, we're in the early first phases of you know transparency kind of come into fruition there's a lot of things that have to change, but what's the consumer's awareness and embracing even our pushback to these transparency solutions
8: yeah I, I would say as, as we and we, we have tested some some elements of uh, of value propositions out there, and uh, transparency is one of them. I would say that uh, folks are increasingly embracing that. I would I, w- I would not say that there is mm-hmm. widespread uh, awareness. Um, it is not necessarily one of those things that uh, you know people ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, absent, I mean, people talk about, hey, the the healthcare system is is hard to navigate. It is um, complicated, uh, but specifically transparency is hey uh, they're not necessarily asking for those specifics they, they do sometimes want to understand okay what does it really mean for me so mm-hmm. um, it's one of those things that as people um, start using start understanding then suddenly it does you know they find that it meets a need mm-hmm. and they they start um, getting more and more acceptance but uh, increasingly we're, we're seeing that um, you know as so it's it's almost becoming table stakes out there in right. terms of making sure that those tools are available when people, are, especially when they're, when they're dealing with insurance.
1: Yeah, because we're still at the early stage. Wouldn't you agree through your findings that consumers don't necessarily know what to ask for?
8: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, our general theme is that there's there's a lot of value to be um, achieved in terms mm-hmm. of you know reducing the cost of healthcare and improving its quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's different levels of you know, value from you know a more transparent marketplace, right? Which is part of the point of, of healthcare reform and the exchanges. There's value from reducing waste and you know overutilization and you know essentially you know going to to the you know settings of care that that are more costly than than alternatives. And then there's a lot of value associated with just people making the right choices around their own um, adherence, their own diet, their own. Um, Exercise and just how they take care of themselves. Um, the sense is we, and and I think you know we, PwC and others have have you know put put estimates out there of how much value is out there if if we really were to achieve all of these things. And our sense is that it's you know we're still you know very early on. It's it's very. Um, we haven't really tapped into all of the, the possibilities um, that exist by, you mm-hmm. know, better enabling folks. What we do, obviously, what we are seeing is that um, a lot of uh, people are increasingly, you know, bearing the weight of uh, their choices, right? Either through, you know, having to select products on, on exchanges or increasing prevalence of uh, consumer-directed. Um, health plans so it's definitely increasing out there but the 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 ability to to really um, manage those choices for for improvement i think uh, our sense is that, that there's still a lot to be achieved and part of it um, is this idea that i still don't really trust you know a lot of the uh, stakeholders that i interact with um, across the healthcare system for so for the typical consumer there's still a lot of things that need to be overcome for for really to some of this value partnership to start to to, to realize itself. Mm -hmm.
2: Doctor, we uh, you know, we always at the institute here talk about how disruptive this market is right now. Disruptive in a kind of in a good way. It's just there's a lot of change that's taking place and you alluded to, you know, some of the these changes that in your findings. But if you look at some of the traditional providers out there that all of us in this industry may be familiar with and the consumers they may be familiar with them as well. What do they need to do in order to remain competitive with all these non-traditional players coming into the market and trying to compete as well?
8: Yeah, so, so, so there's, there's a few things that um, we say that people need to focus on. So one is um, there is an element of, okay, just how you think about the consumer, uh, making sure that there's some vision, some um, alignment around, okay, what, what what does the consumer represent for us? You know, how how, how do we create value um, and how do we create value for ourselves and the consumer? So just understanding what that is, right, and who, who is it that you serve. Um, there's an element of really focusing on your experience. So, um, you know, most stakeholders in the healthcare system are very, um, you know, most folks do this because the, 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 there is this, you know, strong calling. But translating that into, uh, you know, the right experience from the perspective of the individual uh, or the member or the, you know, patient uh, does take some some special sensitivity. And I think, you know, some of this is, you know, borrowing from other industries, really um, investing in the capabilities to, you know, provide better service, understand your consumer to really engage them right through digital channels and other places. So so the experience is an important part. The pace of innovation um, needs to, you know, essentially, to your point, uh, a lot of these stakeholders, traditional players, you're competing with, mm-hmm. in many cases, companies that um, have a, a different level of agility, a different culture, um, in many cases very well-funded um, Increasingly faster with technology, so so a lot of these players they they, they do need to um, step it up in terms of their um, agility and the way in which they innovate. And in fact, we're seeing a lot of players saying, you know what, we we actually need to start creating some of these you know self disruptive models you know within our company, and we're trying to build this in a way that is unencumbered by. You know, legacy systems, legacy processes, and let's see if we can create um, some of that. So that, so that's another important one. Um, and the the last and an important one that uh, folks should not lose sight of um, is this idea that all of this, right? You, your, the system out there is, is changing, um, and you do need to focus on doing the things that will be needed in the future, as opposed to the things that you've been doing all, um, you know, getting to this point. Uh, but as you're doing that, increasingly just a, a key way to be competitive is how people manage their cost structure. So um, a lot of consumer centricity when we think about exchanges uh, and when we think about you know provider systems is around providing the right experience and in many cases making sure that it's uh, as efficient and as lean as possible. So the idea of... Um, focusing on what you do, what will be needed in the future, and trying to be as efficient and as lean as possible and all the other things that you still need to do but are not necessarily going to, you know, create the differentiated value for the consumer, that's something that um, incumbents really need to be focusing on because that's that's essentially the currency that allows them to compete and allows them to, you know, make the investments required to better serve the consumer.
2: All right, doctor. Well, we really appreciate uh, you joining us on the program today. Let our um, let our audience where can they find this survey if they if they'd like to uh, get a hold of it?
8: Yeah, um, they, they can uh, reach out to our website. So it's uh, www.strategyand.pwc.com. So that's uh, where where a lot of our thought leadership uh, can be found.
2: All right. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today. Have a, uh, a great weekend, and to the rest of our audience, stay tuned for the next segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio.
5: PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. Have you checked out the only online guide where employers, health plans, brokers, and consultants can navigate private exchange and defined contribution markets? Browse PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today. The emergence of private health insurance exchanges represents perhaps the most significant shift in how Americans purchase health benefits in years. As employers move their employee population into private exchanges, this trend is on a growth projection into the 2015 benefit year and beyond, according to research published by Allegis Technologies. Visit PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com today to browse our national searchable directory and for Healthcare Exchange Solutions magazine and newsletter. Be sure to submit your listing for inclusion in this groundbreaking guide at www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com. That's www.PrivateHealthCareExchanges.com.
4: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Solution providers,
7: are you aware of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism's multiple marketing platforms? You're invited to get a little closer to IHC with our solution provider membership marketing program. Through IHC's exclusive solution provider membership, your business gets an all-access pass to engaging your prospects. This membership embeds your business within the Institute, which immediately aligns your company, its solutions, and your key executives with the nationally credible IHC brand, and shows your support of the healthcare consumerism movement as a market-wide solution. And that's just the beginning. Contact IHC's Managing Director Brent Macy today at bmacy at the ihcc.com.
0: This is America's com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.
1: Hey, this is Doug Field, along with my co-host Brent Macy, and welcome back to this segment of Healthcare Consumerism Radio. And joining us to talk about uh, where we are with trans- transparency and how it's evolving and maturing is uh, Robin Gilbert, president of Fair Health, one of our regular sponsors. Robin, good to have you on the program.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about Fair Health, and let's talk about where we're, where we're going with this in this space.
0: Sure. Fair health is a national independent nonprofit organization uh, with a mission to bring transparency to healthcare costs and health insurance information. We do that by offering comprehensive data products, really rich consumer resources, and we support health services research. We have a database of billions of medical and dental claims from over 150 million people across the country uh, that we use to support those products, those consumer engagement tools, and health systems research.
1: Great. Uh, you talk a lot about, or you talk about, why transparency is no longer enough. Did, would you expand upon that, Robin?
0: No, absolutely. We distinguish at Fair Health between transparency and clarity, because transparency, while very well-intentioned, and really at the beginning of the process to start releasing information to consumers and other stakeholders doesn't really go far enough Mm -hmm. um and and one way to think about it is almost to think visually of a sink of dishes if you will that could be piled high dirty dishes uh glassware and silverware Mm -hmm. and so forth it's transparent to your eye but you really can't make sense of that chaotic pile if you take those same elements, the dishes, the glasses, the silverware, and array them on a beautifully set table, that's now starting to make or tell a coherent story of those same elements. And that's what we try to do with, the, with our data and hope others do as well, which is really to take the data, make it transparent, then move it down the line to clarity by providing context um, and information surrounding the data so you can really inform sound decision-making.
1: Now, is is definition of clarity helping that consumer, you know, really understand, you know, quality, accessibility, and price, all three of those working together?
0: You know, the way I view it is that clarity really means taking data and making it actionable. Mm -hmm. So, yes, to your point, it is helping to advance decision-making, whether it's just about Um, helping to evaluate costs in comparing in-network versus out-of-network or one provider venue versus another. Um, And as you sort of move along, I think what we're starting to see, the demands for transparency increasing beyond just price, but going to quality features, going to sort of practice features as well. For example, um, I think there's a real appetite on the part of consumers for information as to whether a provider accepts um, email scheduling. Does it offer an electronic health record? Even down to the basics. You know, is there parking, or how long do I have to wait for an appointment? Some of the aspects of service that you would, you know, you would see in other parts of, you know, various markets.
2: Now, Robin, uh, this is Brent. When you look out at the uh, the transparency space, and it's it's been exploding for you know, over the fat, past five to seven years. When you look at all these tools out there, are all the all the transparency tools created equal or are there different pieces to, something, uh, to your solution versus what somebody else might have?
0: Now, that's an excellent question. We don't view all those tools as equal. Mm-hmm. The intent may be the same. As I said, they all may be very well-intentioned to try to advance the conversation of transparency, but in practice, they're not equal. First of all, you have to think about What's fueling those transparency tools? Mm-hmm. You may have you may have a really creative interface on a web-based solution, but what's really powering that interface in terms of the data itself is the data, you know, robust. Is it does it reflect the geographic specificity that would be meaningful to a consumer? Is it from an independent source? Is it refreshed continually? Mm-hmm. Is it subject to algorithms and methodologies in, aggregate, in aggregating the data that are statistically defensible? So there are all kinds of questions to ask. It's it's no different, if you will, than going into a supermarket and looking at the nutritional packaging um, for a particular cereal or other product. You want to know what's going into that product. The same thing with any transparency tool. You really want to ask questions about how is this being fueled? Are the ingredients pure? Mm-hmm. if you will.
2: Now Robin, you, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier on the segment but you know, elaborate a little more on how some of these transparency tools um, can help educate and empower the, the consumer um, to become that better educated consumer of health and healthcare.
0: No, excellent question. So there have been surveys out that have shown when you've polled adults um, a majority of adults do not even know the meaning of Copay, premium, and deductible—we're talking about very basic terms that are integral to any benefit plan. Mm-hmm. So there's an, really an enormous amount of healthcare illiteracy out in the public that really needs to be addressed. So to really bring and, and move a consumer from transparency to clarity, you have to start with the vocabulary of insurance, with fundamentals. What would really, you know, what's really of, of great assistance to, to consumers is if you really package that data with educational material that explains what is a high-deductible health plan, what is the difference between a PPO and an HMO. What are mental health parity laws? How do I understand anesthesia reimbursement and how that's being calculated? All those kinds of basic principles that allow a consumer to really take that data. Um, We almost, you know, almost view it as sort of driver's ed and allow them to get on that highway, if you will, and really drive carefully um, and and in a way that is meaningful, um, you know, to an ultimate destination.
2: Now, Robin, your your organization, uh, Fair Health, is going to be a sponsor of our our IHC um, events, and speci- specifically our uh, private exchange forum in Dallas. Where you know, when you're looking at the private exchanges, what's what's your fit there? Um, where do you see that market moving when it comes to transparency along the private exchange market?
0: Sure. So, the private exchange, you know, and the emergence of private exchange as well as the public exchange is. Uh, a big part of why there's so much wind at the back of these consumer transparency tools and why they're so needed Mm -hmm. because you're basically putting consumers in the middle of a virtual marketplace Mm -hmm. and asking them to go shopping. Mm -hmm. And in order to not have that consumer blindfolded while they're shopping and to make a good choice, they need information. And the way in which Fair Health data can support the exchanges, um, private exchanges um, in particular, is helping consumers really... Evaluate the components of a plan uh, to see if it's right for them. One thing uh, data is finding is that consumers are sometimes blinded just by the premium amount, and they're not looking at the other elements of cost sharing, mm-hmm. like copay, coinsurance, and deductible as well as what the out-of-network reimbursement design is. Because we have data you know, and billions and billions of claims in geographic regions relevant to a consumer shopping on the exchange, our data can easily be plugged into tools offered by plans offered on the exchange to show Apple-to-Apple comparisons. So, for example, if you are interested in Plan A and maybe interested in going out-of-network for a particular procedure, maybe a knee replacement, you would be able to juxtapose what the in-network fee of that exchange would be with the out-of-network. And that out-of-network component should be grounded on the market heartbeat of that particular Mm. area. And that was where Fair Health Data comes in. Right now, Fair Health Data is populating a number of planned tools that allow consumers to really appreciate what their out-of-pocket exposure will be, um, particularly if they go out-of-network.
2: Yeah, when I, when I, and I completely agree with you. I think when we look at the private exchange space, and it's, it's very much to the segment that you have titled here, is with the emergence of private exchanges and the, the amount of people that are going to enroll in those, transparency really isn't going to be enough to, to satisfy that segment of the market, much less the big, broader market of those who won't m- maybe necessarily go into an exchange, correct?
0: Correct. No, they really need really concrete examples. The other way in which Fair Health data is very helpful is if you know you have a chronic condition, type 2 diabetes, for example, asthma, hypertension, or you know that you're in store for a particular procedure in the coming year, whether it's a knee replacement, a hip replacement, or expecting a child we can create three-dimensional views of the data so that we can link together and create episodes that allow you to have a fuller picture of what your what your exposure will be and you can look at what the reimbursement would be under you know plan A versus plan B versus plan C and do very concrete comparisons and people are really starting to demand that information and we know on our website We really try to prompt consumers to understand that three-dimensional nature of care because sometimes, for example, if they're looking for a colonoscopy, they'll look at the gastroenterologist fee. But we have tools on our website that will prompt them to say, if you're looking for that, you should be interested in the pathology in case there's a polyp and it needs to be evaluated, and you need the anesthesiologist fee as well. So it's it's really um, you know it's really important that the consumer is is primed. And educated about broadening their view um, as to what their exposure may be.
2: Robin, in the in the last minute that we have here on the program, you know in your in your opinion, where do you see you know the challenges and opportunities over the next, let's say two to three years?
0: Yeah, well, it's such an exciting time right now. It really is like a, a living laboratory that we're all in in real time to see these tools evolve and and enter the marketplace. And, and we really impl- you know applaud that kind of energy. I think the challenges will be, definitionally, are we creating a common vocabulary that's allowing consumers. To really understand and compare choices and options. New York just passed a law recently, very groundbreaking. Um, the New York Times has suggested that this could become a model for the entire country, and what it does is create a standard definition of usual and customary cost. In fact, Fair Health data, our 80th percentile, was designated as that independent source of data. And what that allows now is requirements for disclosure of plans and providers to articulate how they're charging or how they're reimbursing in connection to this um, UCC standard, and it also becomes a standard by which to resolve disputes. So now everyone can sort of rally around a common definition and articulate what kinds of reimbursement or coverage will be as compared to a set standard. So I think they'll, we'll see a lot of legislative action. They may not mimic New York completely, but a number of state um, legislatures are starting to take up the issue about emergency care surprise balance bills out of network services, recognizing consumers in this very consumer centric market need support, need equitable solutions, need some protections, and most of all, need information.
2: Robin, well, we thank you very much for joining us on the program. Um, quickly, let us let our audience know how they can find you.
0: Yes, they can come to fairhealth.org, uh, which is our main organizational site. And if they want our cost transparency tools, that would be fairhealthconsumer.org.
2: All right, Robin, thank you so much for joining us on the program and your support of the Institute for Healthcare Consumerism. I hope you have a uh, great weekend. And to the rest of our audience, we will talk to you next Friday, or are no. we off next Friday? So We're the following Friday. Time. Everybody have a great Thanksgiving.
0: This is America'sWebRadio.com. Mm-hmm. The best in chat radio designed just for you.